0: For someone who's a maniac like myself and can go ride the r- roller coaster to no end, like that is a great suggestion for someone like me. I'm, I'm stealing that one. This is the Drop Podcast, where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Coulotte. And this episode is presented by the Law Office of Mound and Tranger.
1: What's going on, everyone? Uh, the Christmas season is upon us. Uh, we got Christmas right around the corner, Hanukkah's going on, so uh, happy Hanukkah to all those listening, and a soon-to-be Merry Christmas for all of you listening as well. Uh, This is going to be our last episode before Christmas, and I want to get it out of the way, Mike. I want to give everyone the sad news that we are going to put a pause on some of our social stuff for the winter. The weekly work and the Mike's Verse... It's just too tough in New Jersey to get out there January, February. So we're going to put a little pause on that for, uh, for the next couple months. It's, it's, again, just a little too tough to do that. So we'll come back with it in probably March, unless we get a, a bonus day here or there. But um, I did want to let you guys know that as far as that's concerned, we're going to slow down uh, some of that content. With that said, though, we're still rolling on the podcast. We're just, the podcast episodes are still going to go out. We're still going to have stuff on social media. It's really just those two uh, segments that we're going to put a pause on there for us.
0: Yeah, I think I think just to kind of with the weather and all, if we can get a, a Mike Versus out there or a weekly work out there, we will. But I know we've been really rock solid in terms of consistency with getting those out on every Monday and every Friday. And obviously I think most people know, you know, the Northeast and, and, you know, in particular New Jersey, it's tough to get out there on a consistent basis to have that content. So, you know, just tossing it out there so the audience knows that, you know, unfortunately we're not going to have any more of that, you know, we do have some videos that will still pop out here and there. And I know in particular, I got one um, that the audience will have seen already on Monday. That's a little, you know, Christmas unboxing. Um, So they would have seen that already. But, you know, again, keep your eyes out. Things will still continue to pop out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So today we're going to talk. We got some Christmas talk. We got some new segments we're going to we're going to introduce to you. Uh, And then we have the head pro at Manasquan River, Chris Dimmick. Guys, this is an un. Uh, I, I hate. We say unbelievable quite a lot. Uh, we gotta. We gotta improve our our vocabulary there. But it really is an unbelievable interview. He is a great person, great golfer. You know, obviously close to close to Mike's heart there, being at Manasquan River. But it, he, he's he's really. Uh, I've met him just in passing, two or three times, and it honestly feels like he's a like that we were old friends in the interview like he was super genuine it, it was it was an incredible interview so we got that at the at the end of the podcast we're we're really truly fortunate to have some great people on i mean chris is awesome you know we've had ryan and nick and and a number of other people that we've had on it's just it's just an incredible the the great people that we've had on we've had just some awesome interviews and then not to mention their big names in the in the golf community but it's really been uh, really been truly amazing.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I think I think that's been the one eye-opening thing that I truly can say is the people in New Jersey golf have really embraced us, embraced golfing in the Garden State, and you know everybody's been willing and able to come on, give us a few minutes, talk shop. It's it's been a it's been a huge thing. Um, and and before we get going, right? I do want to give a little shout out here too um, leave the pin podcast. Um, you know, Dan is the host and Dan, you know, DM would us on Instagram and said, listen, I'd love for you guys to come on my show, talk a little bit about, you know, your favorite golf course. And it kind of was fits in perfectly here with Chris on the back end here of ours is, you know, I got to go on his podcast and talk specifically about Manus River, you know, all the amazing things about the membership, the golf course, the views, the river. So again, you should go check them out. You know, it's his latest episode, number 182, Leave the Pin. Um, he's doing a little, you know, segment or, or a sub-series, I should say, on, you know, people's favorite golf courses. And, and I was fortunate to go on there to talk about us, about that golf course. So go check that out as well, Leave the Pin. Um, he does a little My Course, you know, subsection of, of what, he got, what he has going on there.
1: Uh, yeah, it's an awesome interview with uh, with Mike. Mike got to go on and, and talk about Manisquan, so it's it's really great. So you can find that podcast Leave the Pin, where all podcasts are found. Um, you can find all our stuff. We got all our content on YouTube. That's the Drop Golf Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Pods at the Drop Podcast and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the drop underscore pod. And no matter how you consume us, please like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen long. All right, Mike, so I, I wanna start with going back to last week. We talked some par threes with Nick and then kind of behind the scenes throughout the, the week and, and after the interview, we, we went into like, we came up with like, what are our favorite par threes in New Jersey? And then we posted that as we as we put it out, but we never really talked about it. Um, and I wanted to kind of put it out there and and kind of like defend or kind of tell why those par threes are our favorites.
0: Okay, you want me to go first?
1: Do you know which ones you have? I have yours pulled up. Yeah, you got yours. Yeah, I okay. got a
0: good memory. Um, <laughs> I don't. So let's. Right, let, so
1: yeah, Mike. What? I'll, go, Mike, I'll why go, don't you go. I'll go. I'll go from yeah.
0: five to one in terms of my favorite that. And again, to me, I looked at it like, let me go back and, in a sense, because it's the end of the year. Let's talk about the 2022 season. That's kind of how I took this as top five par threes, is really how I looked at it. Um, and again, for me, it's all about New Jersey golf. So I'm finding the five golf courses specifically designed here. And number five for me was Scotland Run's ninth hole. Um, a little over 200 yards from, from the blue tees. But I think what really stood out more so than anything is, is the backdrop of that ninth hole there. You got the clubhouse right there. You got the pro shop. Um, it's a two-tiered green. It was one of the holes that specifically that when I was there truly stood out. So to me, I, I, it stuck in my mind. I thought about it. I made that number five. Number four for me was actually the fourth hole at Chung Valley. If you ever played there, it's a short little par 3, probably about 130 yards, but I think with the green being a little elevated, um, the trees surrounding it, I think aesthetically again just kind of na- nested in the woods a little bit. A hole that just again sticks out because I think when we talked par 3s, it's something different. It's not the 200-yard banger three, you know, par 3 that everybody kind of deals with this was a shorter one and I thought that was really cool um, the next one for me number three was the six hole at Bally Owen. again not the longest hole in terms of yardage probably about 150 but with their other tee boxes can stretch all the way back to 180 but I thought the shot of entirely over water was a really cool looking shot from the tee box because Again, it's not always the same thing. Now this one was all carry. You know, I think that mental, you know, play about, oh, uh-oh, I got to hit this pure because if I chunk it, I'm in the water. And now I'm looking at a double at best. So again, to me, that was number three. Number two was the 15th hole again. Again, this may be biased to some people, but is Manasquan River. You know, I think where that tee box normally sits... The people that listen and that have played that hole know that everybody bails out to the right. Most guys that hit a cut aren't taking that thing over the water to cut that ball into the green. They're normally missing it right. And the people that play a draw are still also bailing out right because they don't want to dump it in the drink. So to me, that 15th hole, and again, it could be stretched out in many different ways. It could be 180 or it could be all the way back at 220-ish, is a very challenging hole in terms of finishing a, a round of golf let it be known that it is, that's probably why it's in that range of the 15th hole. Again, that's my second one. And I thought the number one hole for me was just the eighth hole at the Ridge at Backbrook. Um, the backdrop, the bunkers, the green, the many different tee boxes. You know, I think that is a picturesque par three. Uh, you can clearly see why when you see all the pictures that when I see the ridge, it's, it's typically that hole. So for me, those are my top five. Again, I probably could have thought of some other ones, but the ones that stood stood out more so than any others were were those five
1: So I, I took I took a little bit of a, a different approach to it. We did this totally separately. like I was like, Mike, give me your top three par threes and like didn't give any other thing about it. So Mike took it as this year. I didn't necessarily take it as this year. I, I kind of looked in the last maybe couple years, especially since I've been getting more into more into like bigger golf or more serious golf, again, not playing like tournaments or whatever, but like really caring about golf. And I'll go from five to one as well. My number five was uh, the 15th hole at Seaview, the Bay course. I think it's, I I feel like it was like 200-ish yards. Uh, It's a little uphill, surrounded by bunkers, but the thing that brought it to my eye was you're hitting out of a chute. You kind of pull up with the carts, and then you got to walk backwards maybe 25, 30 yards. And you're in, like, the reeds that are right on the bay there. And kind of when you pull up, you can see Atlantic City in the background. You've got a, a beautiful view of the water and, and of AC. When you're teeing off, you can't see it because the reeds are seven eight feet tall and they're kind of wrapped around you so kind of hitting out of that chute is is really pretty cool to a to a difficult um difficult green it's got a lot of undulations a lot of protection uh my fourth one was the was the eighth hole at little mill uh, it was our 17th hole but well the eighth hole on the blue course and that was uh that was, that was incredible. I thought it was like 142, but playing 127. I don't know why those numbers stick in my head, but it, you're super elevated. It's a beautiful, like uh, Troy was saying, you can see Atlantic City in the background on a clear, clear day, which, you know, you're, you're not close to Atlantic City. So the fact that you can be up high enough above all the trees and on a clear day kind of see Atlantic City is, is really cool to me. You're up super high, and then as you kind of, when you're on the green and you look backwards, flower beds, trees, that kind of stuff, as you looked back, kind of leading up to where the tee box was, it was really, really very nice, and that hole, that hole was, was really, really impressive. Now, I didn't play it this year, but the, I did get on to play Ridgewood last year, and the fifth hole on the center course was awesome as well. Again, kind of elevated. You got the tee boxes are tiered, and each one's like a level down. Uh, Really not anything special as far as like the backdrop of the hole or anything. You're kind of hitting into the woods. Um, But the thing that's gotten that hole is that hole is the hole right before that kidney bean shaped hole. It's like a 200 and I want to say like a 278 yard par four is the next hole the one where phil mickelson hits it into the grandstand and that's kind of like a famous hole that that's happened there so um back-to-back holes those those two holes back to back are really good but that again same kind of thing tiered really beautiful um landscape architecture all that stuff for that hole i kind of went back and forth on this second one and i didn't want to put multiples from the same course on my list this is kind of where we where we varied i went with the fourth hole at hollywood which we which we talked about last week that hole is is amazing to me it's beautiful it's short but plays longer and it's got so many so many things to consider and again I don't want to go too deep into it cuz we did go into it last week I do want to say that the other hole that I thought about from Hollywood is the 17th hole they just redid it to make it like it was when the course was originally built it it can go back to, uh, I think it tops out at like 225 or something like that. It could be very long from the back. But you can run it up there. There's a, a two, I don't want to say a two-tiered green, but the green is split down the middle with like this hump. And if the pin's on the left and you're on the right and you have to putt it over the hill or over the mound that's in the middle, you're not keeping it on the green. And that's something I know that a lot of the members there talk about like some really don't like it because it's too challenging i like the history of it that they made that hole exactly like they did when it was built in the early early 1900s and then not has nothing to do with the hole but to get to the 18th the white tees on the 18th hole you go through there's like a a a berm along the whole right hand side and there's a little tunnel that goes through the berm to get to to the white tees which is just a, a cool aesthetic there as well but again i didn't want to have two from the same course on there so so I went with four over, over 17, but 17 is awesome as well. And then to, to the last point, the eighth hole of the ridge is, is incredible. I mean, you're hitting into that backdrop of, of a mountain is, is really what it is. There's that little, uh, little stream back there. The mountain is, is just, you know, it's gotta be 50 feet of backdrop there. It's, it's incredible. And, and then the hole itself is, is amazing. So the views are awesome. Is is the only way to put like you don't get mountain views like that, very many places where we play. So to have that is was was great and it's yeah it's a great hole. So and you said all of it as well. It's both our number one holes and and I think that's evidence for, for a reason there.
0: Yeah and I listen I think if the audience has a top five or a specific one even that stands out, you now we'd love to hear it. We we'd love to hear what people think is their favorite. I know some people have already DM'd us after that episode and said, Hey listen, I like this one more, I like that one more. So again, we're we're always inclined to listen here and maybe go experience it ourselves too.
1: You know, maybe we can put a poll out, Mike, of our what do we got? Eight? We'll put our eight out there and see which one gets the gets the nod. So uh, so yeah, we we just wanted to recap a little bit on on last week, kind of defend our, our par threes and uh, Mike, moving into uh, some more recent golf news and getting us a little bit out of New Jersey, but, but something that happens that's huge in golf, I think is okay to touch upon. I absolutely love the PNC Championship. I, I, I think this is the coolest event. I don't know why it took me so long to figure out that it was going on, but seeing parents play with their, with their kids, like it's a, if you don't know, it's a parent child event. Uh, so one of them has to be a pro golfer. So, you know, Tiger's playing with his son, Charlie, but then like Nellie Corda is playing, who's the pro golfer is playing with her father. It's just, uh, I think it's the coolest thing. I love seeing the scramble aspect of it, which I, I don't, the PGA tour is, is great, but I would love to see them do more of like those, uh, more match play, more two on two, more, more get into some different stuff in, in golf. More, I guess we'll go some different games in golf, which we'll, which we'll do some foreshadowing for, uh, for a few minutes. But I, I think it's such a great event. I absolutely love it in those shoes. As my dad doesn't play golf. So I think that it would be how special it must be for them to play with their father is, is something that I'm super envious of. And then to put it on that scale, they look like they're having so much fun out there. I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I absolutely love it. And it's just wholesome, if you ask me. And, and I really love, I really love it.
0: And, and I think to emphasize your point, like the, the father-son relationship in golf, and I think that's probably why I bring it up so much in our podcast here when I talk about, you know, my dad and I always playing and, and being competitive. Um because they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and i think my mannerisms and kind of how i can be emulates a lot of things that he does or is and how he acts and i and i do think to your point like just being out there watching those two together reminds me back when when my grandfather was around and we would always play in the father son at Maniscorn River all of us it would be my dad uh, his, uh, my uncle or his brother, my grandfather and then all the grandkids and we would all play with our dads underneath my grandfather at the father's son at Manusquan River right before Father's Day so you can see and you can see the reason why events like this have more meaning than just winning and losing you know the time that you spend like that together in, in a setting like that, you can just see that no matter what, it's a, it's a complete win just for the family alone.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is. Like I said, I, I just feel like it's so wholesome and so, yeah, it's it's so it's so awesome to watch. It really is.
0: So, Ry, real quick, I just want to mention this. I know that you know the audience listens to the podcast every Wednesday or after Wednesday, and they're probably wondering why I haven't said anything about the giveaway. But typically, we record. Just like we are on Sundays, and and I want to be fair to the rules of the of the post and the giveaway. So, you know, next week I'll be able to announce the winner, even though everybody would have known that ahead of time. So I still will pick the winner tomorrow night uh, or Tuesday morning after midnight, because I know it closed at eleven fifty nine. So if I got any last minute stragglers popping in, um, but then next week. know I'll make sure that everybody knows about it as well as if you know if you already have seen the post it would be out there as well ask any golfer and they will tell you their hole-in-one story whether it went in or not chasing aces was launched with the idea that everybody is welcome on the course they believe in building a community through their shared love of the game golf comes with pressure and expectations and that includes what you wear Chasing Aces' hats, performance polos, and T-shirts keep you looking sharp from the clubhouse to the tee box. Visit ChasingAcesGolf.com and find them on Instagram at ChasingAcesGolf. Even the best are Chasing Aces.
1: So uh, this next segment that we're going to try to do, I-, I was thinking about things that we could do, Mike and and. One of the things that, like golf has so many games that you can play on the course, but I feel like so many times we go out and just like, hey, let's let's play, you versus me. And that's nice. And if you're only getting out a few times a summer, you know, if you're only playing five times, maybe that's what you want to do. But if you're playing the same course or you're playing often, it might be something you want to try, something different, you know, something new. And... I have a whole bunch of games I want to go through. I thought we would tackle one, one a podcast, and just say, "Hey, this is this is a game that's an option for you to play over the you know come next season." So the first one is is really what I think is is pretty interesting. Uh, these aren't ranked at all, but this week I wanted to tackle a game called Wolf. Wolf is supposed to be played as it foursome. And Mike, if I we were texting, you don't so you've never I, heard of this game. So before. I can't lie, I.
0: I went through the list and I guess 95% of the time when I'm playing golf, it's, it's in a group of four and you play better ball of two strokes off the, the, the low guy. And it's just some sort of Nassau. That's kind of how I play. So then I, you know, I tossed it out to my dad because obviously I play a lot of golf with him and, and his buddies and like, have we played this before? And, he was kind of reminding me, like, yeah, maybe once or twice we've played it. But, I, again, I've heard of it. I think if after reading or or hearing you talk about it, maybe I've played it. But I can't lie and sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, no, Wolf's a great game. Let me tell you, like, no, I, I couldn't do that.
1: So Wolf is, is played typically in a foursome. Uh, I suppose you could play it in a threesome, but it's going to be a little different than what we – what we're about to talk about. And the goal is to have the most points at the end of the round. It doesn't really matter necessarily what your full score is, you're adding up the total amount of points you're going to get. And I'll get to the points in, in a little bit. So on the first tee, you got your foursome, you, you throw your tee up to see the, the order of who's going to tee off first, then second, then third, and then last. The wolf is always going to be the last person to go. so. If you have four guys on hole one, it's gonna be one, two, three, four. The fourth guy's gonna be the Wolf. On hole two, it's gonna be two, three, four, one. Number one's gonna be the Wolf. On hole three, it's gonna be three, four, one, two. is gonna be the Wolf, and so on and so forth. And you're just gonna rotate through all the holes, so everyone's gonna get an opportunity to be the Wolf. So, we should mention, honors don't matter. So if you had a birdie, but you're not the wolf, you don't, you don't go. It's, it's a little more ready golf. So the wolf is going to tee off last. And after they watch the first three guys hit the ball, their tee shots, they can decide whether they want to pick up a partner or be the lone wolf. After the tee shots. After the tee shots. So you, your dad, your brother, and I are playing. Okay? I'm the wolf. You three guys hit And your dad, so he puts it way left. Your brother puts it way right, and you hit it down the middle. Love that
0: scenario, by the way. Love that scenario.
1: And after they listen to this, they'll love that too. (laughs) So you're right down the middle. And maybe I haven't been hitting my driver that well that day, so I go, you know what? Right, your dad is way left under the trees, he's gonna to have to punch out. Your brother's way right, he's in the fescue, he's not gonna be able to hit the green. You're probably gonna be able to hit the green and I haven't been hitting it that well that day. So I say, I'm gonna take Mike as my partner. So now, from there, it's a two on two and you're playing net best ball, basically is what you're doing. So you go in, you birdie that hole, we all par, you and I get points, okay? I'm going to go the the scoring last. So that's one way to do it. That's That's how you could do it. Now, same scenario, okay? Your dad goes left. Your brother goes right. You hit it out of bounds. I hit, I go, you know what? I think I can hit the middle of the green. I can, or the middle of the fairway. I can get on the green. I'm going to be the lone wolf for this hole. So now I'm going to try to have, it's still net best ball, but it's now me versus you three. So now, if we go in and I birdie the hole, I get all the points, and you guys par it. I I get all the points. If you guys beat me, you guys get the points, okay? Only one of you needs to beat me. This is where Wolf gets a little different. If there's a tie, there's a couple different ways that I've seen to be played. If you're listening to this and want to try it, I don't care how how you try it. Do whatever you want. You can push the points to the next hole, so it just kind of rolls over. So if you're the lone wolf, then you're also the lone wolf for the next hole. If you're a twosome, you play it as a twosome all the way through, and the points just keep carrying over. You can play it that way. You can just say, no, like, back to regular, no points, like, no blood, we're moving on, and, and just going back. You, you could play it even a different way if you wanted to. If you were like, hey, let's, let's go, like, if you want to double the points the next hole, whatever you want to do, that's up to you. And then whoever has, again, the most points at the end of the day wins wins the game. And you know, maybe you're playing, you know, maybe everyone put 20 bucks in and the winner gets 20 bucks. Maybe you're doing first and second, you're doing you're doing 10 and five, whatever the case is. Uh, but that's basically wolf. And the scoring goes like this. If the wolf and the partner win, each of them gets two points. If you if you have that scenario where it's where it's two on two, and the non-wolf partners win, they get three points each. If the lone wolf wins, they get four points. If the non-lone wolf trio wins, they each get one point. And then from there, you just add up all the points as you go through, and then at the end of the day, whoever has the most you better, points. You better, have
0: points. Some, you better have someone that's really good at keeping score. You might have to have two score scorekeepers.
1: So for sure, like there's definitely if you look online, there's a couple different like examples, and because you want to keep the score of everybody, so on the scorecard you got really four slots. The the easiest way that I saw this is to have a second scorecard and to just add up the points like they were scores in each boxes. So again, if if the wolf and a partner win, you know they got you know. That first scenario, you you and me are partners, all right? You birdie, I par. On the scorecard, it's going to be a three for you, a four for me, your brother got a five, your dad got an eight. That stays on the scorecard regular. And then on a second scorecard, you would just put in the same boxes, I got plus two, you got plus two, and then you leave your brother and dad or
0: Or if there's two slots on a four on the top and four on the bottom, you could keep it all one
1: card. In a sense, you could keep it all in one, but but I do also like I, I very rarely do you have eight True. slots. No, I agree. On a Listen,
0: now that you've explained that, I have played something like that, if not that. Um, there's no doubt. I think I think a lot of the games that we may talk about in this little little series here probably is better suited. Well I shouldn't say better, but easier in a in a threesome.
1: I would change the points if we were playing a threesome, you know, because it's two on one. You can change it all you want to. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it's a, listen, it, yeah, there's no doubt it's a definitely a good game,
0: especially for like a buddy's trip. Like you're going on a trip, you're yeah. going to play multiple rounds, so you're not playing the same game all the time. It's something different. You know, the, I I agree that something like this is is tailored to that, unlike you mentioned earlier, where if you're just playing once a week, you just want to play your normal two-ball, better ball matchup against, you know, two other guys. Like, totally see that. So, yeah, no, listen, it's a good little thing. It's neat. It's fun. Um, Just better make sure someone does a good job keeping score.
1: The thing that I like about this is it is different, and not everybody is going to like that because not everybody gets out, like we've said before. But I do like that you're still playing your ball. You know, you're still going to be able to post a score from this round. It's still golf. It's not something different and wacky. You know, there's going to be some games where, like, you take a club out of somebody's bag or, you know, it's still, you're still playing golf, and that's what I liked about it. I liked that it it was really different, but also very similar. Like, you're still playing the game.
0: No, I agree. I agree.
1: Mike, be, before, we, uh, before we truly get to an ending here, uh, I want to talk a little Christmas with you. I got two Christmas questions for you. My first question is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Never saw it. Oh, Mike. Right, one thing about
0: me is I'm not a movie guy. So, like, in terms of, like, asking me about, like, movies, clearly... I've watched Home Alone, but I can honestly say like (laughs) movies and Mike Poro really don't go hand in hand, which is crazy because I'm sure this movie Die Hard is like, people are going to be like, is this guy out of his mind? But I've never seen it.
1: Uh, To be fair, I only watched it Christmas of 2020. It was the first time I watched it. I I had, you know, it was COVID was going on. So I, like, I, I didn't go see family for, you know, people were sick or whatever. So I had a day to myself and I just, I watched Christmas movies. I, I must've watched seven Christmas movies in one day. And one of them was Die Hard Cause I was like, I've never seen it. I want to see it. All
0: right. Well, what's question two. All
1: right. My question two, again, you're not going to be able to answer. The question two was give me your top five Christmas movies.
0: see like i i honestly i probably couldn't answer that in a in a really good way because i'm sure if i say anything people are be like dude what about x y and z clearly i'm not a movie guy Mm -hmm. but i can say like home alone i know i brought up like i don't know if you consider that i can that's a christmas movie they're going like but I say Home Alone only because my kids and my wife and I, we watched that a couple of weeks ago. But like, okay. I couldn't sit here and recite movies to you about, about that. I, I couldn't, I, I don't know. Now, if you want me to sing Christmas songs, that's a different story, but then we'll really get zero listeners.
1: I don't think I need to hear you sing. <laughs> and I don't sing in public. I mean, I have been called the songbird of my generation. And my voice is a mixture of Fergie and Jesus but I don't, I don't sing in front of people. And that's a movie <laughs> reference that you don't get either. <laughs> no, I just thought you made that up because so I was going say that's pretty good. Uh, so I do have my... I put down some Christmas movies and I have a list of my top five Christmas movies. They're not in order, but they are my five favorite, I would say. But I have Elf, a... I saw that. It's with Will Ferrell. Can't go wrong. A Christmas Vacation, absolutely outstanding. Four Christmases, Vince Vaughn saw it. It's a great one. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now there's like 75 versions. I like the Jim Carrey one the best. And then it's a Wonderful Life. Super old school, maybe more nostalgic, but it's a great movie. And uh, and those are my again in no order, but those are my five favorite movies at Christmas time. That's, that question
0: is better suited for my kids.
1: Okay. Well, get them on. Go get them. <laughs> no. All right. So a little flop there on, uh, on my Christmas segment with you and, and the Christmas movies. But, you know, no, no big deal. We're going to send you now to our interview with Chris Dimmick. I've only met Chris a handful of times very briefly. Honestly, I think it's three times and, and not for more than a handshake and a hello. Anything more than that. He was awesome. Uh, He talked to us like, I know you've known him for a long time, Mike. Uh, I genuinely felt during this interview that he, that we were old friends. I mean, he really, to treat someone who he barely knows and interact with someone who he barely knows like that was, was very genuine and shows a lot about the kind of person that Chris is not to mention that he's the head pro at a premier golf club in New Jersey 2022 private merchandiser award he runs an incredible course he's got an incredible story that we talk about uh towards the end of the interview uh one of the coolest things maybe i've ever heard in golf it's 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 awesome he does a great job he's personable he's funny he's charismatic it's a great interview
0: Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732 780-0230 780-0230 or check out their website at TeamAllenLaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too.
2: Hey boys. Hey Chris. Pro, pro. How are we doing? What's going on, dude? How's everything, boys? It's good.
0: going well, man. How's it going with you? Never better. So tonight's guest is who I think is not only, you know, one of the better head professionals in the area, um, but someone I always, you know, and, and appreciate and like to call a friend. Tonight's guest is Chris Dimick, head PGA golf professional at Manasquan River Golf Club. He attended Penn State University. Prior to becoming the head pro at Manasquan River, he was an assistant there from 2008 to 2011. Then he jumped over to Navis and was an assistant professional there from 2012 to 2013 while also being an assistant professional down in Ocean Reef Club from 2012 to 2013 to when he was nominated or promoted, I should say, to the head golf professional at Manasquan River Golf Club in 2014, where he currently sits, as well as being an PGA board member from 2018 to the present. He's a proud husband to Jillian and a proud father to two two kids, Grayson and Georgia. Um, some other things about Chris, too, that I found is he was the 2021 Professional Development Award recipient from the NJPGA, while this year also being recognized as the 2022 Private Merchandiser of the Year Award recipient. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on, and, and thanks for taking some time with us.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike and Ryan. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the chat, for sure.
0: So, so to get us started, listen, I, you know, I, I I speak so highly of you for, for obvious reasons. I speak so highly of, of the golf course for obvious reasons. And, you know, I, I I try not to be biased about you or the club, but it's, but it's hard not to when you have a a place like yours, I, I, you know, but before we dive into Manus River as a whole, like, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey from, you know, kid in high school into college and then kind of to where you are right now.
2: Yeah. So I I appreciate the question, Mike. And, You know, golf's been part of my life forever. Uh, When I was, you know, two, three years old, my grandfather had me out there on the golf course. And, you know, at that time, I was just interested in riding the golf cart and feeding the ducks by the pond. And, you know, but I I started taking to the liking to it. And, you know, it it became a passion and it became a love. And, you know, the summer months for me weren't, weren't really, you know, hanging out late at night and doing the thing it was more I was I was chipping and putting and waiting for carts to come in when I started working at a local club at the age of 14 and you know my grandfather got me that job and ultimately I I worked all throughout high school and all throughout my college years you know in the summertime there and you know I actually when I attended Penn State University I was going to be a high school teacher and ultimately you know after my junior year I kind of said you know this is the direction I want to go I want to kind of go be a golf pro. I want to do it. You know, I had some mentors back in Pennsylvania that kind of were pushing me in that direction. And then ultimately my grandfather, who was really my mentor in life and my best friend. And, you know, he kind of pushed me that direction too. And the the last thing he said to me before he passed away, uh, you know, quite some time ago was, you know, get your PJ membership and become a great golf professional. So ultimately upon graduation at Penn state, I I applied for a job right on PJ links uh, to Manusquan river golf club, which, I knew nothing about the Jersey Shore. I knew nothing about Manisquan River. I knew nothing about the area. And I applied uh, for a job that Brent Studer po- uh, posted. And, you know, he obviously was probably pro at before me. And, you know, ultimately, I-, I drove down on a December day. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine here at the Jersey Shore in December, there was really nothing going on. But, you know, I, I-, I drove around the area and I remember going up to Point Pleasant and driving the shoreline there and then pulled into Manasquan River Golf Club. And, and and I was there probably two hours early in the parking lot because I was so excited to, you know, <laughs> just interview for a job coming out of college. And I was pumped up. And uh, I remember walking into the golf shop and being like, for those of you that have been at Manasquan River Golf Club, the golf shop is a Macy's of golf shops. And it is uh, certainly overwhelming when you walk in. You're like, holy moly, this is something. But you know spending time with Brent Studer and Vince Junko, you know, who was Brent's right-hand guy for a long time at Manitoban River, uh, interviewing with them. I, I remember driving back to Pennsylvania and saying to my parents, man, I, I want that to become home. And I, you know, at that time I was a 21-year-old kid that knew nothing about life. And long story short, here we are now. You fast forward 15 years later. And uh, I was fortunate when Brent Studer moved on to to step into that role and it's been absolutely incredible, and you know, Mike, as you know from your time spent at Manasquan River, it's truly a family. And we could get into more of that in a little bit, but um, they've embraced me as their golf professional. They embrace my family, and it, it really is a pinch yourself moment every single day when you pull into that place, and it's very special. And I am certainly fortunate. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Chris. That I mean that. That story is incredible. From two people who are teachers, you made the right decision. To, yeah. to, well, to... my wife's
2: a teacher too, so I don't <laughs> want to knock it too much. You know, there's certainly a lot of positives about it for sure.
1: No, no doubt. No doubt. But I mean, to step in it to the way you did, like you, you can't be at a better club from, from stage one there and and working your way up like you did. Um, Like you said, you want that place to be home and you've clearly clearly made it home because um, again, Mike, Mike always says I'm not biased but <laughs> and you know it, he, he's right for a reason. I, I haven't spent a ton of time at Manasquana. We've met you know a handful for for some different things but um, you know it, it really is a special place from from someone who's again essentially an outsider it, it, you're a great a great pro from what I can tell and that course is unbelievable. so you' you really chose the right pat, uh, path in life here for yourself. So I appreciate that,
2: Ryan. I, yeah. You know, like I said, I, you know, I, I count my blessings for so many reasons. And, you know, obviously the family I have here at my house, but, you know, like I said, I count my blessings pulling into that club every day and the, the relationships that I've created and the staff that I've had work for me that have now moved on to their own jobs. And ultimately, you know, even if they got outside of the business, they're now being successful in life. And the current staff I have, I mean, you know, it, I literally could go on and on about it forever. And it, it, I pinch myself every single day, for sure. Yeah.
0: You know, so obviously, you know, I like to prepare a little bit before we go. And I, and I always, you know, make like a little interview sheet, a form for me and Ryan to kind of go off. So we know what we're doing. Because we don't, I'm not someone who likes to just go into this blind, even if with someone like you that I feel like I know very, very well. But the one thing that I wrote is one of the things is like, the way you've made that place a family atmosphere, and it's funny you say that because it's legitimately one of the things on my bullet points here is like how you operate and how you're so open and and explain to everybody why the family environment, like the family arena that 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 just you've culturized at that place, is why that means so much to you.
2: Yeah, well, you know, there is not a better question in the world, uh, and. Ultimately, when I interviewed for the job to take over for Brent, you know, I told them when I was an assistant pro at Manusquan River from 2008 to 2011, you know, I was excited to go to work every single day there. And ultimately, I told them that will continue for the rest of my career. And and number one is going to be providing the best possible service to the members and guests. But a close one B is going to be what I do with my staff and creating that family environment and really the first thing i say to any staff member that comes in and starts working for me is you have now become part of my family forever i don't care if you work for me for one day or 5 years you are literally part of my family and you know i want to grow a tree that you know just continues to grow and grow and grow and and one day you know you know hopefully 30 years down the road from now when I decide to call it quits being a golf pro. I could have a big dinner with all my former staff and I can look out there and be like, every single one of them are being successful in life, whether it's in golf or whether it's in raising a family or doing their own thing. And for me, that's ultimately the number one thing in life. And, And I think because of that and what we've created inside the golf shop, I feel like that's really transpired what you see outside at the club, you know, I really feel that they feed off of our family style in the golf shop and what we're trying to present and they've embraced myself and my staff and you know it's a nonstop family feel for sure and that that's all I want. Yeah
0: well there's I can tell you I can tell you firsthand like you know again I try not to be biased especially when I talk about you or the club but like that's clearly something that you know, I thought of and wrote down even before actually hearing it from your voice, because if you ask me kind of describe that place, you know, take away the golf course, the membership, the clubhouse, the pro shop. Like, I think what you've established there with that specifically, you know, is bar none, probably going to be your greatest achievement, regardless of what you do um, on the golf course or off the golf course.
1: I
2: appreciate it.
0: But I mean, so so let's let's get into what I
1: like to consider the best part of it. Hold the on, gob- let, oh. let me let me come back here, Chris. You heard him say, "I hate to be biased, but <laughs> no doubt every every time." But it, every time, I I, I, know, I, I say that because <laughs> I
0: if I it, just like a lot of people, I think I am a I can be a very opinionated person. There's no doubt. I can tell you the cold hard truth, and you may not like it, but I'm not going to lie to you. And I think with that place, and I know that the audience may say, "Well, you grew up there. Your grandfather was a huge part of that place. Your dad won the club championship. Your uncle's still there." I I get all that, but I think if I took someone who's never played eighteen holes there and let them experience the time that the 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 caddy master would pick up the bags from your cart and walk it down to the to the driving range, to you walking into Chris's shop, like you would have the exact same opinion of that place that's why i i say it that way because i know the audience sometimes will mm-hmm. dm me and say like you're biased that's not right you, <laughs> but it's but it's the truth no. and and, I, and that's why i say that and you know, yeah. I, I, you know so and I to defend it
2: and what i'll say about that real quick mike and ryan is you know one thing i pride myself on is you know, I get to go visit a lot of great places, you know, and God, you name it, I've been there, I've played it. And, you know, the next two days, I'm going to be at the Philly Cricket Club playing in their pro member. And, you know, I can't wait to do that. That's one of my favorite events each year. And, um you know, the first thing I do uh, when I arrive at a great top level club and any golf club that is, no matter where I'm playing, is I'll walk into the golf shop. And my ultimate goal is when I leave every single golf shop I walk into is. I got to take a piece of something and learn it and, or whether it's why I'm out during the round of golf or, you know, what do they do? Like, you know, what kind of T markers are they do using? What kind of flags are they using? What are, what kind of rakes are they using? What are, what are their mowing patterns? And, you know, I'm always trying to leave some great place with something that I could come back and say, you know, that little tidbit thing could make Manasquan just that much better. And ultimately that's what we're trying to do every single day.
1: Yeah, I, I like to I like to poke fun at Mike uh, a little bit there, Chris. But it, I, I, from someone who's worked at other golf courses, in in the roles that are uh, not not like like the outside ops people, like that is a really meaningful and thoughtful um, way to go about running the running the club that you've thought about the guy who's just cleaning clubs and and putting them back on the racks like that's that's something that goes a long way that if that you're thinking about them like family and that's that bleeds into them working better working harder you know people are gonna gonna go to battle for you not that golf's a battle but like they're gonna they're gonna do a little bit extra do a little more be happier at their job if they feel like it's coming from the top down and uh and i'm sure then that like it's a it's a circle like you doing that makes the makes the employees happier better at their job which in turn makes the members happier because they're getting things that are uh, you know they're getting a better product so that's certainly like a a full circle there that you've yeah clearly thought about
2: yeah that's And listen, you're you you as the head golf professional, and you as your whole golf operation, you're you're only as good as the 14 year old kid working in the back room, you know, greeting people after the round. And you know, I could go on and on and name some employees, you know, but I would like to take a minute to just recognize one individual. Like when I took over as a head golf professional, my first hire was a gentleman that was my right-hand guy for nine years outside. And, you know, Sean McPherson, you know, I, I hope he listens to this and, you know, he's a good friend of Mike's and Ryan, you may know him. And, you know, that, that it was a two-man job to get Manisquan to where we are now. Um, and, and I wouldn't be who I am without him. And that operation would be what it is without him. And, and he worked with me day in and day out and we got it to there and now we got a great guy in Austin that stepped into that role and you may have Austin on here one day because he's a former outside operations and you know really uh it, I, I have to recognize Sean McPherson because he just took that place to a whole new level outside for me for sure yeah That's-
0: now listen to, to piggyback that I mean I've been caddying there since I was 13 years old and we've gone through uh, our handful of, of caddy masters and, and outside ops people. And you know, I've always said the same thing to him that like this place from where it was as a caddy before you started to where it is now and how Austin has probably learned a lot of things that Sean has done while also putting mm-hmm. his own little stamp on things. The work ethic is just something you can't teach. And there was nobody that grinded, in my opinion, harder than him, put everything he had into that job. And, and, and like you're saying, it's not only you that mentioned that, but the membership clearly saw the value of someone like Sean and getting someone like Austin to finally come in there and, you know, hopefully carry that a little bit. You know, that there's no doubt that's got to make a job like yours a little less stressful.
2: Yeah. No, it, it was, it was certainly less stressful with, with Sean and Austin, <laughs> Austin has taken uh, that in stride and really, you know, he's he's become a little brother to me, and you know, he's really, who knows how long he'll do it. You know, I, I think he has big goals in life, and I I want him to be successful, and no matter what he does, but uh, for right now, I think it's a great gig for him, and I think he's just going to lead that place uh, to new heights for sure. Um,
1: are you? Did you? Are you saying Austin like Austin Deborah, Deborah. Deborah. Okay. I yeah. didn't know that I didn't know he was working over there. So yeah, he's been there
2: for a while. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. So I mean, Austin Austin started working at Maniswan when he was 14, cadian Yeah. Uh, ultimately started working for Sean in the bag room, you know, probably at 16, 17 years old. And you know, he just graduated Ryder after, you know, playing in the NCAAs. You know, he played in the NCAAs his last two years, and obviously the 2019, you know, New Jersey amateur champion at Arcola, which is just off the charts. And uh, you know, he doesn't really know what he wants to do in life yet and it and could go a golf direction. But right now he's uh took on the role of our director of outside ops and, you know, he would be a great guy to have on here because obviously he's a world class player. You know, we're hosting the New Jersey amateur next year and it's going to be a fine line when he, you know, is the director of outside operations <laughs> and probably one of the best players in the field, Uh, you know. Listen, I'll become the director of outside operations that week, and just let him do his thing and go out and play. So it,
0: it, it's yeah, when I heard that too, I was like, wow. And that's when I texted you. When I heard that, I was like, I need to text him to see if what I'm hearing is accurate. And when you said yes, I was like, holy hell! Like that's yeah. these everybody there that has never played there is in for such a treat. But let's go, let's go into the golf course, okay? Yeah. Because you know, again, that's something that you know Ryan hears me rant and rave about nonstop. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to play with some different guys and, and I continue just to ask them, you ever played there? And I think the, the transition that that golf course has taken in, in the years that I've been there to where it is now is unreal. I think the vision that you and the members have had there just make that place even better, even more special. And when you think a product or a place can't get better and you find a little thing here or there to make it even better. You're kind of just blown away. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the golf course itself?
2: Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, you start with what what an amazing piece of property. You know, just to have those rolling hills and to have that real estate in a market that you know God knows what they could sell that for. I mean, it's just <laughs> no it's doubt. just insane and no and. Doubt to have those rolling hills up, up in the hills with, you know, previews and little views of what's to come. And then, you know, to, to make your way over across the road. But, you know, let, let me first start about the history. And, you know, Robert White designed the golf course in, you know, 1922. We're celebrating our 100th anniversary right now. And ultimately, in 23, the first nine holes were ready to uh, – ready to get played and that was ultimately the back nine as it sits right now uh across the water you know across the road out by the water and then uh it got completed in uh 1926 all 18 holes were there and you know robert white uh probably more known for being a man of many traits he was a he was the first president of the PJ of america he was a superintendent he he was he did it all um you know and Probably I would like to say Manasquan's his finest golf course that he's ever designed. Long view out in Pittsburgh is a very well-known golf course as well, but uh, I would say Manasquan Rivers is his top level one. And, you know, I don't think it, it was pretty much untouched until the seventies and eighties. And then, you know, we, we've had some incredible playing members at the club and, you know, probably the best one of all time is arguably the best amateur in the history of New Jersey is Bob Housen. And, just an incredible man. And, you know, I think he had a vision that it was time to do some work to the club. And I think with him and other individuals at the club, they hired a gentleman by the name of Ron Pritchard, who's been a restoration architect around the country for quite some time. And, you know, he he occasionally would touch some things, but they never went into a deep, deep project. Uh, but they would chip away at little things here and there, and they would just try to make it a little bit better and better. And then ultimately in the, in the late 2000s and 10s, you know, around – uh, 17, 1718, we ultimately went through a process that, you know, it was time to make significant changes. And we hired a gentleman by the name of Andrew Green. And, you know, if you're following anything to do with golf course architecture right now, you know, Andrew Green, besides Gil Hance, he's probably the hottest name out there. He's he's really, you know, he's done Oak Hill, which is going to host the PGA next year. And, you know, he's he's done Congressional, which is going to host the Pj here in the near future, and his name's going to start getting out there more and more because of what he's about. You know these courses that are about to be showcased. But you know we brought him in, and it wasn't an easy process. You know there was people there at the club that that loved what was already there, and I I think there was some reluctancy to go down that road, and rightfully so. I mean people are prideful of what they got, but. You know, Andrew had a vision and ultimately the board at the time that was led by, you know, some significant people at the club that had that right vision as well. And ultimately the long range planning committee led by Andrew Kelly, who's our current president. You know, they they definitely had that vision that we want to take it to the next level. And and, you know, he saw that property and I walked it with him for the first time. And he was just exactly how I started this conversation. He was blown away with the property and then ultimately the combination of some tree removal the combination of putting a brand new irrigation system in the combination of redoing every single bunker on the property the combination of building some new team mark some new tee boxes whether it's tees further back or whether it's tees further forward for you know our our juniors or our female golfers or senior players and then you know he's built six brand new greens out there the putting green and then five greens on the golf course and You know, I I think he restored it back to what uh, Robert White originally did. And, you know, as we talked about, the topography, the terrain is incredible and, in my opinion, unmatched in New Jersey. And uh, now it's got conditions because of tree removal and a new irrigation system that really are are first class as well. So uh, I think for anybody that has the opportunity to play it, they're going to be treated to something that is – you know, really, really darn special. And and that's all you hear from people when they play it for the first time. So, and, and I take pride in having those conversations with people in the men's grill or on the range after the round, you know, what do you think? And, you know, it's a pretty cool moment when they tell you what they thought about it after playing it for the first time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I say to Ryan all the time, like those six holes across the street, like you tell me, you find better six holes that you got, not only phenomenal golf but the views are just stupid nice and i don't care like someone may say well 13's going back you know the other way no 13's going back into the clubhouse right in a distance where it is beautiful so like you can't even argue when it goes opposite the river that it's a bad look because you got this picturesque clubhouse in the background of 13 and then what i say to everybody when i'm over there is like you want the best walk walk from 16 to 17 there's not a better walk than that, I don't care if you're a caddy, a, a, a player, a guest. Like, go walk that. It is yeah, like breathtaking,
2: I, I, no, no question. And you know, one thing that we don't ever really talk about, but you know, people probably should, is you know, and think about the wind conditions. You know, like when when you're out there on that water, and you know, it could be the middle of the summer, it could be spring or fall, and you know, you that those wind conditions pick up. I mean, it, it it's incredible. But yeah, to answer that and what you just said, like. I would tell anybody step on the back tee on 13 and you tell me that hole's not good. You know, there's not a better backdrop of a tee box in the state, you know, and, and like you said, the walk from 16 to 17, you know, listen, there might be better golf courses in New Jersey. And obviously there's, there's ones that are ranked as high as obviously Pine Valley number one in the, in the, but that walk from 16 to 17, you know, I'd put that up against any walk in New Jersey for sure. No problem. Uh
1: I totally agree. So, Chris, a, a buddy of mine is Brian Nori, who's the who's the new chef uh, for you guys. So, he's a little he's he's very unique person. <laughs>
2: Put it this way, you know. So, hopefully, Brian will listen to this as well. Maybe one day. And uh, I've got to know Brian a little bit over this last month. And um, as I've told every member that I've played golf with since meeting Brian is man, did we get a home run of a guy, just the vision he has and the passion for what he does. And, you know, what I just talked about, what we've done to the golf course, I think Brian's ready to do inside the clubhouse and take that to a whole new level, because, man, he's got those same visions. And it's it's exciting when you talk about it, for sure.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's certainly a passionate dude. and And he like everything he does is is all in and and he's going to like you said you hit a home run i mean he he's you go from where he was the chef in the city to coming down here and just he's going to do great things with the with the kitchen the menu i was on the phone with him one time and and he was he was in the kitchen. He was talking about like something small. It was like going from he wanted whipped butter on the table, not like cubes of butter on the table. And it's little details like that that you know you got a guy that's in the right spot that's gonna, like you said, make those changes. You guys made them to the golf course. Now, changes to the halfway house menu, the dinner menu, the lunch menu, all that kind of stuff. He's he's gonna do great things there. He's he's a- by the way, he loves the game of golf probably more than I do. Too, so. It's incredible. I mean, he plays. <laughs> and and he plays more golf than any than any person in America it's it's amazing he, yeah. he's and he's at every time i look it's like he'll post on a, on a tuesday or wednesday it's like oh he played sabonic this monday national this monday it went up to some place in you know out, out in pennsylvania and played that it's incredible he, he's yeah. well you'll probably see
2: he reached out to me earlier today and I got him heading up to Somerset Hills tomorrow. So, okay. you know, he'll probably, he'll probably have that posted next, yep. you know? He
1: so. certainly will. <laughs> he certainly will. There's, that's what he does. He just, he actually, um, we, again, through connections through, through where he was in the city. Um, he brought me up to Ridgewood uh, last year and got to play uh, Ridgewood, which was, I mean, there's no other way I'm getting on there. It was it was just incredible, and, and he was nice enough, and you know, the members that we were there with were were great guys, and it was yeah, it was just like. But that's just like his. That's his when he's off. That's what he's doing. He's playing Ridgewood. He's playing Somerset. He's playing. Yeah, it's it's. He's all over.
2: Good, good. Yeah, he's a good man. We're lucky to have him
1: for sure. For sure. That's that's a big that's a big hit for you guys.
0: Let's talk a
2: little bit about your
0: game this year. Um, you know, like, and I tried digging. And I, and I think I found some things and, and again, I need you to correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I looking at your stats and whatnot, I I thought you had a phenomenal season individually. I thought it was some solid play all around. I'm sure you may be a little disappointed with the NJPGA at, at the club, but overall, when you take it from the beginning to the end, like I have you down as like nine top 10 finishes in NJPGA events. I mean when you talk about consistency I mean that that's kind of hard to top it's not like you're a one-hit wonder where you play well and you finish second and then you got a bunch of 40 seconds and a bunch of 40 fifths to me when I looked at you know your your result sheet from their site it was it was rock solid it was steady how how do you feel like your game was this year compared to maybe others
2: yeah so listen I do what I do because I love golf Um, you know, and somebody told me when I first got started in this, that if that day comes that you still don't get that feeling when you put the T in the first on the first hole, like you probably should get out of the business. And, uh, for me personally, you know, that, that grind of, you know, going and playing competitive golf, I mean, there's nothing better. And, you know, listen, I have good days, I have bad days and, you know, I've had some good events this year. You know, you mentioned hosting the section championship for me was probably one of my my proudest moments hosting that section championship. Took a lot of pride in it. It's our biggest event of the year as a professional. Um and having it at Manasquan River was really, you know, a feather in the cap uh for me personally and for the club and you know, I I was amped up, man. I was I was, you know, I wish I could do some things over again and I wish I could Get more sleep at night, and you know maybe even take some Nyquil and pass out, and, you know. But um, I was I was amped up, and you know I I played the first nine holes in one under man, and I was I was kind of pinching myself. And I get to the temp tee, and they have a leaderboard right now right there. And at that point, I was the only person under par, and you know it, it probably actually was the worst thing that I could have seen because. You know, it it got me even more amped up and it got me thinking things that you do on a golf course that you just gotta kind of put in the back of your head and not think that way. And and you know, my remaining 27 holes until I missed the cut was probably as bad as I've played Manasquan River since my time has been there. And uh, you know, so you learn from that. And and listen, in my time at Manasquan River, God willing, there's there's gonna be another big one, and I'm I'm gonna be ready and I'm gonna be ready to do that and you know, it lit a fire in me. And, you know, there's things I'm going to try to do physically this offseason to get in better shape and get ready. And then, you know, I've actually started taking some lessons from the director of instruction over at Matita Keelan, And, you know, I'll have my third lesson with him this upcoming Thursday. And, you know, we're working on some things. And I'm definitely seeing some good strides. And, you know, I think I think 2023 is going to be a good year for me playing-wise. And, you know, I'm going to have that right mindset. But as a whole, it was a, it was a good year. Um, you know, that was a bummer at the end, but uh, you know, we're prideful in our game, and that's what keeps us going for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Ryan. I was just gonna say, Chris, it, it's not uh, not a ton of, of um, pros get to play nearly as much as you as they want to or as they can. Do you it, it seems like you don't have any uh, any like restrictions at Madison? They don't they, do they encourage you playing? Um, do they do they say play, but only play in certain? Like, what's the is, like? How does that with the with the club's management? How does that work?
2: Yeah, Ryan, great great question. And you know, I'll talk to my colleagues all the time. And you know, I, I'm gonna this is why I pinch myself. I, I I may have it better than everybody else because you know we're we're all here stories of them. Um, you know, I, I don't really have those stories. You know. Um, the, the membership and the upper management and the, and the board members, they, they want me and the staff out there playing golf. You know, we have to run a lot of golf tournaments and, and we're doing that on the weekends, but, you know, ultimately if we don't have tournament golf going on, they want us out there and I want my staff out there. I, I am all about pushing my guys out there to play golf. But, uh, you know, when it comes to tournament golf, you know, I think more importantly, you know, My wife. I couldn't do it without her. You know, the fact that, you know, she's okay with me on that Monday off, you know, driving up to North Jersey and playing in a golf tournament while, you know, she's home with the kids. I mean, that that's, that's a credit to her. And, you know, she allows me to do that and she, she, she knows it's important to me. Um, So, you know, I, I couldn't do it without her and it's a total team effort and, you know, whether I shoot 70 or whether I shoot 80, when I walk in the door, you know my my son Grace and my daughter Georgia are gonna be there with a smile and they're gonna be ready for a big hug so um, you know that makes it exciting to be driving back home to them for sure
1: that's awesome because there cause like you said there's some there's some others that don't have that that freedom and that's great that that you have uh, both the staff that allows you to be comfortable with like hey'm I'm, I'm going to play today you're you're running the show here and then and then vice versa like like you said it comes from the top down earlier when we were talking, Hey guys, go like send in your assistant, go play, go, go work on your game yourselves, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's awesome to hear.
0: Chris, I had to tell Ryan a little bit about the Matt Fitzpatrick story Yeah, about how he showed up at the club and he's got the trophy in the passenger seat and Ryan just couldn't help himself, but start laughing at like the guy showed up to the club with the trophy in the passenger seat. Like, Tell Ryan that story about how you were fortunate to play with him, like how he showed up, and, and maybe even some of his thoughts again from a complete world ranked top 10 player. Like, I mean, I know, again, I say I'm biased, but like, what does a guy like that say when he shows up?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll start it by saying, you know, the club has been in existence for a 100 years. And, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick walking those fairways are, is definitely the greatest player to ever walk those fairways. You know, we're, we're talking about a U.S. Open champion. And-
0: he just won. He literally
2: just won the thing. It's not like <laughs> yeah.
0: three years later.
1: We're talking like a week after the dude shows up. Right. Did he yeah, show so-
2: what-
1: up? Uh, go ahead. You tell the story and I'll ask yeah. questions as I go. Yeah,
2: so – so how it all happened, you know, it, it was literally the Thursday of the biggest weekend of the year at the club. Our Bristol member guests, it kicks off Thursday with practice rounds. You know, Matt, Mike's dad's there running his mouth, you know, barking orders, all this kind of stuff. You know? um, I wait, but, what? I can't. I don't see that. <laughs> you know, but um, ultimately... You know, we're getting ready. We're practice rounds are going on. We're getting the putting contest set up. I'm doing finishing the calligraphy scoreboards in my office, and you know, my director of outside operation walks in at approximately ten in the morning, and he goes, he goes, "Pro, you're not going to believe this, but you know, a big black SUV just pulled up, and I pulled out Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick's clubs." And literally, this is four days after he won the U.S. Open. Literally, four days after, and you know, I looked up at him, and I go, get the hell out of here, you know, Um, and he literally said, yes, I did, and I looked out the window, and Matt was walking down, and long story short, I had no clue about this, but he he's hes in a relationship with one of our, you know, older junior members, you know, in her in early 30s, and, you know, they seem to have a great thing going, and, you know, I went out and played nine holes with him that day in a cart, and we bounced around a little bit, but you know, and, and that's a credit to my president that I called him on one of our busiest days at the club. And he's like, listen, you got to go out and play with him. But, um, <laughs> you know, more importantly, about a month later after that, you know, Matt came back and we did it the right way on a Friday morning, walked with a caddy. And, you know, so I, I got to pick his brain a little bit more during that round and got to ask him about the golf course. And, you know, what he, what he said about Manus River was, Plain and simple, he goes, this is a place that you could never get tired of playing. he goes, it, it's a tremendous piece of property. He goes, it, it's, a, it's a golf course that provides playability for the member, but at the same time presents a challenge for the top-level player. And, you know, I, I don't know how serious Matt was taking it, but, you know, it was his second time seeing the golf course. And, you know, this is the U.S. Open champion, and he shot 68. You know, people would probably think, oh, he'll go around there and shoot 58. But, you know, that just tells you that Manus a good test. And I'm sure if he wanted to buckle down and practice for a week, he could probably shoot the course record in a, in a you know, <laughs> flinch. But um, it was the most impressive thing I've ever watched. Um, ball striking wise, when you combine distance and accuracy, he's the best driver to golf
1: ball I've ever played. with. So, wow. So, so uh, like uh... As the, <laughs> as the, yeah, I just, I have so many questions. He can't, I'm trying he to can't still comprehend
0: it. that. He, when no, I was I'm telling just, him that, he's like, there's no way.
1: So, no so way. it's not even, so Mike left out that it was a busy weekend that you had like a huge outing going the on. One of the so, so he just forgot. I forgot. I forgot
0: honestly, I forgot to, you know,
1: he just and I was showed, still was like you. I'm awestruck the
0: guy that actually showed up.
1: Yeah. I, I'm just blown away. So so he, he didn't call. Because I know, like, if you are a pro, like if Rory McElroy called and said, like, hey Chris, I'm you know, I'm in the area coming through. Do you I heard good things? Can I play? No doubt. I got that. This guy just showed up without a tea time and just like <laughs> like Martin, my language just big dicked it with like, hey, the US open trophies in the passenger seat me and my friend are going to play golf like that's a, that's what that's <laughs> the impression of the story that I got that just like hey I'll
2: tell you well it, it, it's not far off but you know he was <laughs> he was there with a get a member of the club okay. so he, was, he was an invited guest, obviously by her but yeah you know there was no <laughs> formal notice and there was there was really no word going around the club at all about it I mean it it, it came so quick and happened so quick without anybody knowing that you know I I think that was a better thing. I, like I said, the guy won the US Open four days prior. And the fact that only about, you know, twelve members got to go out and watch him play, he probably actually appreciated that. Because yeah, I'm sure. if it was announced, there would have been 300 out there. Yeah. You know? I
0: would have been I would have been as a caddy, I'll do anything you want, I'll fix the divots, I'll put the T in for you. You tell me. Um but listen, I you know i I appreciate you coming on here and taking you know a decent amount of your time. But Ryan, and I always like to kind of end this with two questions and and I kind of go first and I let him kind of wrap it up. But obviously, as someone who's played a lot of golf in the state of New Jersey, you know, one of the themes that we have here is like golfing in the garden state. And one of the ideas behind this is like, I don't think you can find a better state maybe up for debate or argument, but you can see everything here, the topography here. If you want to go to the Northwest and play in the mountains, if you want to go to a place like yours and play on the river, you want to go to the Sandy dunes in South Jersey, like there's all the different spots, you know, that, that you can really play for someone that's listening. Like if, If you could give me, like, off the top of your head, maybe your favorite public course that the average Joe, like Ryan and I, can go play easily, or if we were invited to a special private place, and again, you have to take your bias out of Madison River, so that doesn't count, like, someone invites you to go play, and I'm not counting Pine Valley either, but you drop everything, you say, I'm finding a way to go.
2: Yeah, so, so, you know, there's obviously so many great public golf courses, but You know, I think you can look right in this area, right in Monmouth County, and, you know, how many hills is as good as it gets. And, you know, I'll mention one more public place that's up in northern New Jersey, Crystal Springs Resort. I mean, what they got going on there is spectacular as well. So you have great opportunities to play phenomenal golf courses and not have to be a member. When it comes to the private side of it, for me, um, what they've done there over time and what they've created – Arcola Country Club up in uh, Paramus, New Jersey, does it for me more than any other golf course in the state of New Jersey. Um, And that's inclusive of Pine Valley. For me, visually, it just does that for me. It's, It's become my number one in the state.
0: That is huge. That is the first time we've gotten that one. You know what everybody always says? We've asked this question to so many people that we've had on. We've been so lucky that people are open and willing, like yourself, to come on. Because I know we're new, and I know it's something that we are just started. But everybody we've talked to has been open, like yourself, to come on here. And I've asked that question. And, like, the undenying answer everybody says is Baltus Troll lower. That's everybody's answer. So to finally get an answer kind of different than that is like, it's it's refreshing to hear.
1: And, and to say that you'd put that in the same category as pine, like even higher than pine valve, like that that goes a long, long way. That is, wow. Is it something yeah. they've done recently? Like I don't again never played it. Is that a, is that a like? Did they go through a restoration in the last however long or? they have they have they've they've spent
2: a lot of money there they've done a lot of great things over the last you know five six seven eight years but you know ryan it's all personal preference oh no
1: no i get that yeah i didn't mean no like like,
2: and and listen you know you don't see our coal in the top 100 in the world but obviously pine valley is number one in the world but for me personally like whatever it does for me visually when i'm on all those tee boxes just the cleanliness of it uh visually it, it really does it for me. And, and, you know, I talk to other people about it. You know, I, they always host a program there. So I'll always bring three new members every year. And the whole ride up, I'm like, man, this is my favorite one. And sometimes they get back in the car with me and they're like, yeah, I could see it. And sometimes they're like, bro, what are you smoking? Like, <laughs> that didn't do it for me. You know? but, but, you know, for me, it does it. And um, I really, really love every time I get the opportunity to play there.
0: Awesome. I'm, I'm stunned by that answer. Yeah, I yeah. really am. I, I thought I'd get like – I didn't think I'd get both a strong lower. I kind of thought we'd get something new, but I definitely was not – Arcola was not on my radar. But that's great to hear.
1: Yeah. Chris, golfers are kind of quirky by nature. You know, we we kind of have our own – for whatever reason – um, you know, we think that that lining, uh, you know, something up in a particular way is gonna is gonna do something, or some kind of pre-shot routine matters, or you know, things like that. What are some of your quirks that you might have with like like tees in the pocket? Or right, I see you smiling already. You're like, oh man, I'm getting <laughs> called out on my weirdness. So like, what is what is it that that you have? um pre-round during round post-round that you think is like a quirk that is you know it's kind of weird but you know it, it you're gonna keep doing it anyway
2: yeah so you know tournament golf's different than regular golf and as you can imagine a lot of regular golf for me at the club is hey pro come join us on the first tee and I got like two minutes to get there so none of this kind of stuff happens when I'm playing regular golf at the club but uh, for tournament golf, for me, and this has started. Some of these things started way back when I was in high school and then college and whatnot. I don't, I don't tie my shoes until the first tee, I don't tie my golf shoes until the first tee. So I'll do my whole pre-shot routine. I mean, my warm up on the range and on the putting green, and I don't no tie shoes my, tied. I don't, I don't, I don't tie my shoes until the first tee, and that that's something that I've always done in tournament golf. Um, uh, three I like other that things. you lace them up like, like all right let's get to work let's go
1: yeah i like that
2: and i got three other things and the 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 first one's a weird one the other two are you know sentimental or whatever but uh you know i put two tees in my left pocket that i won't touch the entire round you know um you know i got the ones i use and the ball markers and the divot tool and all that kind of in my right pocket two of my left that i'll just kind of leave there all day and then The last two for me, as I say, I say a little prayer to my grandfather before I play every tournament round, because he was the one that got me started in the game of golf. And then, you know, I got a scorecard holder that has a picture of my wife and my kids in there. And anytime I hit a bad shot, I try to look at it and say, you know, life's pretty good. Why? Why get upset over this? So those are kind of the things I like to do during tournament golf that kind of keep me going. And some of them are weird, but some of them are probably a little bit more meaningful to me than others. For sure. I love, sure. I
0: love that third one. Yeah. I, I'm stealing that one. I think that's a, I think for someone who's a maniac like myself and can go ride the r- roller coaster to no end, like that is a great suggestion for someone like me. I'm, I'm stealing that one. But then, yeah, again, no. the two T's, right? Two, everybody does so two T's. Like,
1: but you're the first that, so you have it. You have them in your left pocket. Two tees. You're not going to touch. Do they say touch. something? Are they from Manasquan? Or they do they need to be like in a like they need to be plastic? Like just two random. Like you're pulling out two ran- four tees. Which, two in one pocket. Two in whatever.
2: Yeah, whichever two tees come out of my golf bag, that the first two tees that come out of my golf bag will go in that
1: left pocket. You know? Okay.
0: I swear, you everybody does the 2T. So, yes, Mike, that,
1: that was question. what was wrong. You had them in the right pocket. It so needed to be in everybody's, the You weren't everybody,
0: everybody talks about the 2T thing, right? Everybody. So, I said, you know, I don't know. man. I'm trying the 2T thing. Well, Chris, I played the worst nine at Little Mill that I've probably played in a long time. I was embarrassed. I shot 44 on the front nine. Yeah. And I it's swear to God. Pretty crappy I, I said, I'm done with the four. T- I'm done with these two T's. We start the back nine. I take a handful of T's, throw in my pocket. The last 18, I go 38, <laughs> 36. I'm done with this two T thing. I can't buy into the
1: two T thing. So he, you, so he, so he's, so he's stuffing his pockets like he's at a buffet, and he's like got, <laughs> got, got lined plastic. Tea's he's falling all over the place. To,
2: to each his own, man. To each yeah. his own. You know? Don't worry, I'm gonna go stuff my face at dinner like I'm going to a buffet.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but listen, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, and I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. And you know, obviously, when I asked the question you know, there was no hesitation. You were all in on it. So, um, you know, some guys, I, I, it takes me a little while to convince and explain what we're trying to do, but, you know, thankfully I didn't have to do that with you. You were all in. So, you know, just like I said at the top, like, not only do I think the world of you as a pro, but you know, it's nice to call you a friend as well.
2: Yeah. Well, feelings mutual, Mike and, and Ryan, listen, you know, this does, this relationship for your podcast doesn't end here. Let's, let's get you guys out to Manasquan. Let's play some golf. Uh, you know, let's do a hole or two uh, on the air or something like that. And, you know, I'm here to help you guys and anything I could do to grow the game of golf. And I think that's what you guys are trying to do and highlight New Jersey. I'm here to help that as well. So um, I'm a friend of your guys and whatever I could do.
1: Oh, Chris, thank you. That means a lot. That that was that was sincere. I appreciate that. I'll echo Mike. Thank you. I feel like you know knew a little bit about you you know before and our, our limited interactions, and this was awesome. My pleasure, guys. Have Thanks, a good Chris. Night, all right.
2: See you, pal. Thank you. Okay, Chris. Cheers, boys. All right. Bye.